0: All right, hello and welcome to another episode of Cross Street Coaching. And in these episodes that I'm releasing, uh, we're gonna be talking about very current, very modern issues. Um, in my last episode with Love or with Unsiloed, it was just at the very, very beginning of COVID. And now that a lot has transpired, uh, I think that there is a great time to talk about very contemporary issues, how COVID has expanded in that time. And that's gonna kick off uh, season Two. So with me today, I have a very special guest, Hermenz.
1: Hello, everyone.
0: Hi there. And Hermenz, how do you like to be introduced?
1: Oh, well, um well, I'm Hermens withsosa, and for me, in a nutshell, you know how there's one word that describes who I am and what I do, and that word is Mbutu. And uh, is the South African philosophy of human interconnectedness. So everything I've done in my life, my career, my 20 years plus of uh, global health and um, youth development uh, career has been about connecting people and bringing people together to be able to solve some of our toughest problems. So I'm a connector and uh is my word. And that's who I am.
0: Awesome. And tell us a little bit about how your background and how that led you to the concept of Ubuntu and the work that you're doing today.
1: Okay, well, Ubuntu, the South African philosophy of human interconnectedness, is actually a philosophy that I grew up with. My mother's Gabonese from um, Central Africa, and my father's American, who was a Peace Corps volunteer. And so they met uh, while during his service and uh, fell in love. And I'm the product of that. So, but having said that, you know, I grew up, you know, with um, parents who thought that it was always important to volunteer. So a lot of volunteering, a lot of, you know, giving back and um, realizing that we all need each other, that we're all interconnected. So that naturally led me into education which then led me to health um, you know I was the the high school student that was going around telling everybody to protect themselves yeah, <laughs> you know yeah. and then that led into being you know considered the you know sex ed you know teacher and the condom lady and all of those things but that led me into also um you know social justice when I actually in college I realized that um I was at a all predominantly all white school And there were, you know, the number of uh, students of color was very, very small. And that meant that there were a lot of things that uh, we were missing as students that others benefited from. And uh, so that's when my activism started. And from there, I joined the Peace Corps, naturally so, like my father did, and did a lot of work there, lived in Ecuador and helped individuals, um, illiterate individuals learn how to read so that they can get a card to be able to vote. Uh, So that's, you know, that's really my background is very much in education, health and social justice. So, you know, like I said, 20 years plus, and I'm still doing it. So apparently, that's what I was born to do.
0: (laughs) Yeah, your list of credentials are extremely, (laughs) extremely impressive. So tell us a little bit about, you know, that sense of community that's been ingrained to you from your family, to being a health advocate, to um being a a, a voice for minorities in a predominantly white college. And now being today, what sort of work are you doing?
1: So as right now, you know, I have a, an organization, a company called Mbutu, and Mbutu speaks. So uh, And Butu Speaks is the parent company where there we focus on just as as it said, you know, the voices of people, bringing people's voices at the table and allowing them to express themselves and uh, and showing others that um, everyone has something to offer. So I do that through writing. Through, um, you know, I have a podcast myself and various different ways of just highlighting and showcasing people's voices from all over the world. I speak several languages, so it helps to be able to communicate in English, French, and Spanish, you know, and so I have a variety of uh, people. My network's pretty big because I lived in so many countries, and there's that. And then Ubuntu is actually helping young professionals find the skills and the competencies as in order to do the work that they want to do and love and in a space that's very welcoming. So that means working not only with these young professionals, but also working with the organizations and the corporations, which they want to be part of. So that's what Mbutu is now. Um, in that, having said all of that, Global health is still central core of that. So I've had, you know, the opportunity to respond to numerous uh, uh, pandemics throughout my career. And now I'm assisting also with uh, COVID-19 in various different ways.
0: Yeah. And we'll have links to Hermenza's show and her um, this umbrella corporation <laughs> that has done so many things in the show notes as well. And so Hermence, before we get onto the topic of COVID, I'd like to know, you know, what compelled you to come on the show and talk with me today?
1: Well, um, love uh, is, uh, we go back, oh, I guess maybe 10, 15 years now. Uh, we both uh, worked um, Peace Corps in Jamaica. And so I was a training coordinator there. Um, and she was the language coordinator. And so, um, you know, we connected and we've always stayed in touch since then and she's doing awesome work. And, uh, you know, you always want to stay connected to people who are, you know, as passionate as you are about their work and, um, you know, and social justice and all of those. So when she told me about, um, you know, your podcast. And she, you know, she told me that your passion, what your passion is. Um, I was like, well, this is definitely someone I want to get connected with. And then she was like, oh, in fact, you know what, you might want to meet you too. And So that's, that's how we got connected. And so I'm very happy to be on your show today, Jason.
0: Absolutely. It's a pleasure for me as well, and a huge honor. And so for just a moment, I'd love for you to basically hand the mic to you. And we'll see what you'd like to talk about and discuss. And we'll go from there. How's that sound?
1: Okay, no problem. So, you know, for me, um, I just feel like there's a, a lot happening. And there's and the word that keeps popping up in everybody's, you know, lingo now is, uncertain, you know, these times are very uncertain there, but they're also very, uh, prime for, you know, it's this pot of like anger and fear and uncertainty. And, you know, what do we do now and resentment and just so there's so much happening and the emotions are really bubbling and over it to a certain, to a point that, people are either going to act or be silent and just sit back and hope that this wave, as some people might think, will just pass on by. But for me, I think this, Pete, this is a crucial point in our history. It's not that, you know, police brutality is not, nothing new, especially to communities of color. It's not that institutional racism is nothing new to us people, you know, of color. But what is new, I think, is that the awakening is happening amongst populations who are not of color. And that is creating a shift. There's a paradigm shift that's happening in people's minds. It's almost like people are really waking up out of a a dream state where America and the United States that we know, you know, was fairly perfect (laughs) to Mm -hmm. some degree. And then you, it's like everyone's waking up and saying, Oh no, reality is we've been in a dream this whole time. And some people have been living in a reality that I knew nothing of. And so for me, I think it's important. It's not only are we dealing with these emotions, but make it, give it, it's an opportunity for us to interconnect. So As sad as it is for me to have like witnessed and I watched that video of George Floyd being killed in the hands of law enforcement, it wasn't the first time that I witnessed that happen on TV and almost in person. But the fact that social media brought it to my home in such a way, I mean, I saw that video 15 minutes after it had been posted you know because i have a friend who's in social justice and who's like i have this video i haven't looked at it i'm scared to look at it but please you know be, be in the right frame of mind to watch this and i did and i have to say it blew me away and it brought about emotions in me that i thought i had tucked away and then and then i went through the roller coaster that most people go through which is like hurt, pain, anger, frustration, and then what do we do now? (laughs) You know, blame and all of that. And so I really think that these protests have shown that it's not just people of color who are feeling the pain. It's not just individuals who have experienced this kind of abuse that's feeling the pain. And more important, it's shown us that if we come together, we can create the change we want to see in our country and the world. And that in itself has been inspiring. And so, and it's allowed me to say, okay, this is what, this, this is the kind of process, the change that I want to see and to be part of. And that for me, that means being able to educate individuals, not only about what's happening now, but the history like how we got to this moment and many people don't know how they got, we got to this moment or have been our, our education system really doesn't teach us. So it's not that it's not only teaching African-Americans their history, but it's not teaching anyone (laughs) about the the history of African-Americans in this country or just the history of the United States in an honest way that, Gives a space and leaves room for other ethnicities to to speak on their you know on their own behalf.
0: You had talked a lot very early on about how this is a very consistent with what you've seen. Yeah. And now you have a, a group of individuals both in America and worldwide, and I would love for you to talk about how this solidarity from even some of the some of the the people that are perpetrators are now standing with you has impacted how you've processed George Floyd's murder.
1: Yeah, you know, it, it yes, so the the solidarity especially from young young people. And when I mean young, I'm talking I'm speaking millennial, I'm speaking I guess You know, I'm in my 40s, so for me, anyone under 40s considered someone Young. young, you know? But to see the passion and to see, you know, to honestly see white young Americans realizing that they don't want this history, this moment, to just be another chapter in a history book that may not be told that they want to be part of the solution when it comes to, you know, injustice in our country and racial injustice, they want to find the solutions. And so for me, that's been heartwarming because I have lived and worked in environments where, where there were, you know, I was the only African American Mm -hmm. or, and I had to explain my pain and, you know, and my journey and my experiences. I and yes, I had some allies, but not many, because people just couldn't relate to my experience. What I find inspiring is that one doesn't have to relate. These young individuals do not have to relate to an experience in order to have empathy. And that's powerful because when, that just simply means that I know you are in pain, and therefore I'm going to be your ally and help you through that pain. And, and and in the past, that hasn't been the case. In the past, individuals feel like they have to know it, they have to understand it, they have to have experienced it themselves to be able to be an ally, to be able to advocate. And no you know, this experience, this moment is showing that there's enough people who really just want change and who really want to just stop seeing their brothers and sisters hurting, regardless of what community they're from.
0: Yeah. And so from coming from a predominantly white school and feeling like You're having to be the ambassador for a culture that a lot of people don't know right. um, and, and now no longer have to f- completely understand to show that empathy. Has that shaped the way that you approach your work when you're building community and building support through Ubuntu?
1: Very much so. Very much so. Because now I'm focused on the importance of showing people how they can be an ally. Mm-hmm. Because the... That's genuinely, that's where people are right now. They have come to, you know, their understanding that being an ally is the process or accepting that they can be an ally is the process that, that they need to take in order to then show empathy and show that they care and be able to make things happen and be able to push the agenda and make, you know, and change, help to change policies. Because at the end of the day, you know, people are going to have unconscious bias. It's not, it, that's not going to change overnight. People are going to, you know, discriminate. That's not going to change overnight. But what reinforces the abuse that we see in our streets within certain communities, what is, is the laws that it, that are there. And that people feel as though that the laws are there to protect them if they decide to discriminate or let their unconscious bias become conscious bias, (laughs) you know, and engage in certain behaviors towards another group of people simply because of their disdain for their characteristics or their stereotypes. The laws help. People, pr- to protect people in another sense, you know. And now we're seeing that people are realizing that things have to change at the top. Mm-hmm. And in order for those things to change, in, in order for those policies to change, we have to, regardless if we understand or not, we have to push it forward. And so in my work, in Butu, in Butu the philosophy of Butu being that centerpiece of it. I'm showing people and helping people understand that regardless, we are interconnected. So within the philosophy, there's this thing like, if I'm hungry, if my brother is hungry or if my neighbor is hungry, I could never be full. And so it's this concept that, you know, you may have everything, you may have the privilege, but if your neighbor Is being deprived of similar privileges and being deprived of human rights and dignity. Eventually, it's going to enter and knock on your door. It's going to affect you. Eventually, that's what's going to happen. It's going to affect you. It may not be today, but eventually it will. So why not help to ensure that your neighbor is also eating and also full? So together, you guys could, you know, live a healthy life, you know, and that's that's the core that is my purpose at this time within Bhutu getting people to understand that at, you know let's first realize that we're interconnected mm-hmm. you know i have I tell people I was like this air that we breathe, you know, and now we're just like, I can't breathe, but this air that we breathe is common and it helps us all there is there's no special air out there, we're all breathing that same air, so We are all interconnected, regardless if we want to believe it or not. And so now it's about how do we help others live a life of dignity and not be dehumanized and a life that's going to bring us all prosperity. So that's what I'm doing.
0: That's very, very powerful, powerful statements. And I love how the the path forward is a definitely interconnected way. What is it that, that you personally are looking for that, that tells you that we're on the right track? Because this is a very, very hot button issue. You know, it's, it's in the media, right. it's in news, um, but the news cycle, even when this isn't at the front page, it's still gonna be such important work.
1: Yeah, I'm looking for people to continue the conversation. I'm looking for people to, you know, with fear, Because, you know, a lot of times fear keeps people away from doing things. I'm asking people that it's okay to engage with fear as long as your fear doesn't take you to a place that you end up hurting yourself and others. But it's okay to be uncomfortable because oftentimes it's in that discomfort that we decide to take action. It's in that discomfort that we decide that things must change. And so I, for me, it's really important that people continue the, the conversation, but, but have solutions come up with solutions together. You know, it's not a one voice, a uh, kind of um, environment that we need, but we need numerous voices coming to the table and and these voices being valued, respected, heard, and given the, the dignity that they they deserve. And from there, people deciding to come together, to come, to not leave the, the environment, not leave the room until solutions are put on the table and put forth. And that's what I would like, because I don't want this to be a fleeting moment. I don't want this to be, you know, a protest like so many other protests that happened. And then, you know, three weeks later, a month later, two months later, we've forgotten about it and everybody goes back to their new, their their normal per se. Because for many people of color, our normal is not what we want to go back to. Mm-hmm. I don't want to fear that every time my husband walks out. To go to the store, to get in a car, wherever he goes, that he may not come home, not because a complete stranger, you know, hurt him or decided to kill him, but because someone who has been employed, s- has pledged to protect and serve, has decided that my husband's a threat. That's what I live with every day, whereas others who are not African American who are not Latino because police brutality and injustice yes African Americans experience that but Latinos do too other you know and you think about immigrant communities they experience that too certain religious communities experience that that fear and have that pain and so I uh, I really For me, it's important that the conversation continues because if not, then we're going to have another George Floyd, you know, we're going, we're going to have numerous other protests and we're going to be like, well, how do we end up here? And I feel like, you know, I always tell people history repeats itself if people don't take lessons from history and find ways to apply it to finding solutions to, for the future. It will repeat itself.
0: Unfortunately, that has has been the case. And I really I really honed it in on what you said about learning to be uncomfortable. Yeah. Can you tell us a little bit? Because I, I think that the term, you know, no people know what the term becoming an ally, and there's so many resources out there. But I'd love for you to talk about how you've learned to operate in this space where you, you both have fear. Like you said, every day your husband goes out that just like we've seen hundreds of times, uh, the people that are supposed to protect us, the people that are supposed to be a part of our community or, yeah. you know, are the ones that are damaging the black community. So how have you learned to balance both that fear and learn to be uncomfortable?
1: Oh, that's a good question. Um, you know, I have faith, and my spirituality, and my spirituality, I wouldn't say is so much rooted when I say faith in, in religion per se, religion as it's seen, as you know, people going to church and praying, but it's very much rooted in the connection that I have with God in the universe. I know that I'm here for a reason, and I strongly believe that we're all here with, with a purpose. We all have a purpose and it life is about fulfilling that purpose and giving the chance to be able to fulfill that purpose. And so for me, how I counteract this fear that I have, you know, that, um, you know, when I kiss my husband good, good night or, you know, goodbye, cause he used to work the night shift so that, you know, in itself, but when that I am, he's going to come back to me. Or that my, my you know, my 19-year-old brother, you know, who goes out with his friends, you know, he, they're going to be able to come back home. Like, I believe, you know, I, I, I always say when my prayers go, uh, usually I have gratitude prayers. I don't pray asking God to give me or the universe to give me things. I thank them in advance for what they plan on giving me if that makes any sense, you know, because exactly. I, I, I don't know what the future brings. I can only pray to the universe that it will, forf- it will be so fulfilling that we will all be able to benefit from it. And that's what keeps me going. That's what allows me to not let the fear overcome who I am. And uh, and let and not let the fear stop me from doing for, from fulfilling my purpose. And for me, my purpose is to be able to help others fulfill theirs.
0: Oh, it it definitely shows your purpose radiates <laughs> even through our conversation. And so, as we start coming to a close for our short conversation today, and Hermens will absolutely be back, uh, and Love will come on while all three yeah. of us have a conversation. I'd love for you to talk about. Specifically, how does someone who is very community minded, taking care of so many people, being an ambassador when she's not required to for for white colleagues, how do you take care of yourself?
1: Self-care is very very important.
0: <laughs> Tell me.
1: You know? Yes. So, I'm a I'm an avid reader and uh so and I have a I have a 4-year-old daughter who keeps me pretty busy. And so I have a I made sure that uh, myself, my husband and uh, her um, daycare providers at the time um, taught her how to read because every morning the way we relax is as a family, we take out a book and we read like we start our day just in that space. And where we're just, you know, reading a simple book, or story, we tell, you know, we'll tell jokes. And that's how we start our day. And sometimes it's like five o'clock in the morning because she wakes up pretty early. But um I have that. But for me, self-care, I realize, is 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 key. And I'm still trying my best to you know, practice self-care. It's not easy when you have all your hands everywhere and you're, tr- you're trying to help others be well, you know. But uh, from, that is, and then I'm, I've been blessed to um, have people from all, you know, have, be friends with, from, with people from all over the world. And some of those people, I always make sure that within my network, I have people who I consider or they consider themselves comedians. And so... <laughs> just being able to step away and have those kind of individuals in my life who can tell me jokes and just make me laugh is really important for me. Like comedy is my cure, you know, to a lot of things. And it's not like, we're making jokes about what's happening in the world, but we're reminiscing about old times and good times and those kind of things. And, you know, I'll call people in Africa and I have friends in Asia and I have friends in South America. So to that is he, that is he very much healing for me. Yeah. Yeah. But I do need to probably have a, you know. Spa, one of the, you know, I'd love. It. That's what I'm missing too. Now that you know, we were locked down, where I couldn't go again. I can't go get a spa or get a massage or anything like that. But yeah, so reading and really connecting with old friends who really just warm my soul.
0: Yeah, and as so as even you know, as COVID nineteen, the the restrictions start to unravel. What do you think is the first thing that you're going to be doing just for yourself?
1: Ah, oh, just for myself. I am very much well, you know what? I have I'm a nature person. I love to be um, like in nature, to breathe the air that the trees, the you know, just be in that space and I love the sound of a river. And so for me I have been doing that. You know, distancing of course. I'm finding parks where people, you know, and trails where no one really knows. And just, I go there and I sit by a river and soak my feet in and just listen to nature because there's so many, like nature can tell you so much about what's happening. <laughs> I really believe that the universe will speak to you if you're just silent and you quiet enough to, and willing to be listen. And so for me, I, uh, you know, I love to travel. So probably one of the first things I'm going to do when everything's lifted and everything's good and, and the numbers have been reduced to zero. <laughs> I don't nah. know if that's going to happen, but I'm, I'm ready, you know, to go to Jamaica. I'm a skydiver and a cliff diver. So here, and as soon as, you know, and I usually skydive for my birthday, which is coming up in September. And my hope is that I, I can go to Tennessee and and be able to get on a small plane and be able to jump off from it. I love to skydive. And right now, I'm sure, you know, being in a small plane with other people is not safe. But when it's safe, that's probably going to be going to be one of the first things I do. Then I'm hopping on a plane, going to Jamaica and cliff diving and scuba diving
0: okay it's usually not <laughs> jumping out of a plane is not probably on the top of a lot of people's list no, but i'm so glad it's on yours
1: Ah, uh, you know it, it is it, it yeah have you ever skydived
0: i have not
1: oh my goodness it's the most freeing experience in the world it like literally that i like Oh, that's what a bird feels, you know, it's just, it's it's so free, especially if you go with the mindset that you are going to jump and every worry is just going to just go with the wind. It's a wonderful experience. Once you do it, if you do it one time and you love it, it's addictive though. You'll want to do it continuously. But yes, it's a wonderful moment. And, you know, and uh, cliff diving is too, (laughs) I believe it or not.
0: (laughs) Yeah. Another another way to learn how to be uncomfortable
1: (laughs) is either having
0: discussions or jumping off a cliff. And overcoming
1: your fear. Overcoming your fear, you know, overcoming your fear
0: yeah well Hermence this has been an absolute pleasure having this talk with you and thank you so much for sharing well, your voice where can people find out more about you
1: well they can definitely go on LinkedIn so just simply Hermence H-E-R-M-E-N-C-E. I always spell my name because a lot of times people don't spell it correctly so Hermence N-M-A-T-S-O-T-S-A, M-A-T-S-O-T-S-A so I'm on LinkedIn and then you can also find out more about it in Butu on my website so it's U-B U N T U workforce.com. So yes, please. And uh, Facebook is the same thing in Butu.
0: Yeah. All right. Well, thank you so much once again, and we'll leave it there in that. And we will be talking again very soon. Thank you very
1: much, Jason. This has been a pleasure. And, uh, you know, thank you for being an ally. Thank you for making sure that our voices are heard. And, Thank you for realizing that change begins with all of us, and in order for for all of us to see the change we really want, we have to be able to put aside the fear, admit that we don't know, but be willing to learn, and I really appreciate that from you, because I know your voice carries, and uh, you are doing your part and uh, so many people appreciate. So I'd like to say thank you on behalf of uh, so many people.